Thanks for tuning in for this sermon from Real Church Goshen. We pray that this message will encourage you to do the work that God has called you to do. Tonight, as I get into the Word, um, and and I'm, I'm hoping this comes together the way that I feel like it came together in my head, and if it doesn't come together the way that it came together in my head, you guys can walk out the door and we'll be like, we'll give them a pass for that one. You know, uh, <laughs> that's what you can do. Uh, but I, I believe I want to I want to unpack this question tonight because this question was kind of um, in my mind, and I think it's a good one for us to talk about. Um, and I may step on your toes just a little bit. Um, so, Jimmy, I hope you got your steel toe boots on. Are we good? Yes, Jimmy's always prepared. Um, I, wanna, I want us to talk and unpack this question, who is your God? Who is your God? Yes, I, I didn't know if I actually wrote it right when I gave him the graphing. And so I was kind of like, oh, no, um, hopefully it, it is right. Who is your God? Now, I know for us as believers, we're like, well, I know the answer to that question. You know, Tom, I'll take who is your God for a thousand, right? Like, you're ready. Like, you're like, hey, we can do this, you know. Easy. Um, but I, I want you to go down this path with me a little bit because I think there's something that we need to uncover in the church about who truly is our God. Um, and, and I'm not, I'm not talking about unpacking who God is. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about us truly recognizing who is our God. What do our actions show about who we believe our God is. When you look at the definition of a God, it'll say an image, idol, animal, or other object worshiped as divine or symbolizing a God. Now, we as Christians would define this as the triune God, God the Father, God the Son and Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit, okay? That's what we would typically say. And most of you probably were like, well, that's my response. I already know this question. If this was the only question for tonight, I'm good. I'm going to go ahead and head on out now, Tommy. Like, huh, I, this was an easy one for us tonight, guys. <laughs> but I believe that as we think of a God that we worship, we are to be what? We are to be followers. We are to be imitators of God, right? I mean, we would all nod our heads and say, yeah, yeah, I'm an imitator of God. I'm always this. So, so here's what I want to do, and this could backfire horrifically for me. And when I ask you guys questions, usually that's what happens, because that's just the way things happen for me, okay? So, so I, I want to I ask you this, and you guys can just shout it out, and I'll try to hear, and I'll try to pick it up, Okay. What are the things that Jesus did while he was on the earth? Just give me anything. He healed. Yeah, what, what, what stuff Jesus did on the earth? I thought you said he went fishing. <laughs> That's pretty good still. Yeah, fishing the loaves and fed and all that, fed all those people. Yeah. What else? What did Jesus do? What did Jesus do while he was on the earth? He wept. Oh, okay, Beth's like, hey, I'm starting to remember stuff. She's like coming alive back there. Look out. He served. He served. What else? He loved. Did I hear loved? Yes. I feel like I'm an auctioneer now. I hear loved. Uh, you know, miracles, miracles, right? All, say, all this stuff, right? It's, all right, you guys are starting to overwhelm me now, okay? <laughs> Slow it down, Beth. I know you're getting excited. She's like, I know all these questions. <laughs> 
All right, fractions are next, Beth. <laughs> She's like, never mind, I'm out. <laughs> so you know what's you know what's amazing, and and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a lot of clauses out here when I say this, okay? But just go with me for a minute. When we talk about the things that Jesus did while he was on the earth, no one shouted or talked about how he worshipped in a worship setting or how he hung out at the church. Right? Right? We, we don't, we don't, now I'm not saying he didn't go to the synagogue and I'm not saying he didn't worship, but when we think about worship, as we talk about worship, we talk about what we just did. You know, playing some songs, me being out of key and all that kind of stuff. That's what we talk about, right? That's what, that's worship as we know it. But when we look at the life of Jesus, God, no one is saying, do you remember how many worship songs he sang when he was here? Oh, his worship songs. We don't. And so the defining moments of the ministry of Jesus were out there, not in here. Well, that's kind of weird because everything that we typically do to represent Jesus is in here, right? We define it by the music that we listen to, right? If you see someone else listening to a Christian song, you're like, you're a Christian. We think that's the defining mark of a Christian. Yeah, I know that song, right? We see them carry a Bible and we say they're a Christian, we belong to the same pack. We see, we see them going into a church building. We say, it's good. We're the same. But what we're saying about who our God is, is that wasn't one of the biggest defining moments of who he was, how we look at him, how we represent Jesus in the earth. Why doesn't it look more like Jesus? Instead of our conditioned way of seeing Christians, right? So, so I, I, I began thinking of this, and, and, I, and I thought about this. In Mark 2.17, which I probably didn't give him this verse, but Jesus said this, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Mark 2.17. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. These are the words of Jesus, right? He is telling them, I'm not here. I mean, uh, again, the, the concept here is he's trying to get us fixated on the reality of why he came to the earth. And it was not for this. It was for those, those who didn't know, those who didn't have, those who hadn't experienced. And it seems that we spend more time consumed by those that already have, those who have already received. We want to belong solely to that group, but never break outside of that. Jesus got in trouble for doing stuff like eating with the sinners, right? <laughs> Hanging out with the sinners, and it's, 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 it's this, this theory that what we're really done is we've made the church the pinnacle of faith, right? And there's this hierarchy that we've seen, and we've said, well, the higher you are on the hierarchy, the more important you are, right? 
So I got, I got this person that does this job and this person that does this job and this person that does this job. And then above that person, there's another person. And, and, we, and we create this hierarchy and we look at that, those, those stacked steps and we say, well, you get a little holier every time you step up. And I've said it to you guys a hundred times, I'm just as jacked up and messed up as y'all are, okay? <laughs> I got my own issues and my own struggles and all that kind of stuff, right? And the church has made it all about what happens in here. How many certificates do you have? How many classes did you attend? How many books have you gone? How many worship conferences have you gone to? I mean, who has been guilty of seeing some other Christian going to all these worship conferences and being like, man, I just, just didn't go. Maybe I'm not as good as they are. I'm not, I'm not as on fire as they are because they read all those books and I'm, I'm not there yet and I'm not reading that stuff and they can listen to Caleb and man, that music just actually kind of annoys me, you know, like, it's real, I'm just being real sometimes, all right? Like, we've made, we've made that and all of those things more of a representation of who Jesus was. And so if you think about that, right, if we think about we, we are supposed to be looking at the things that Jesus did, our question should be how many people have we served, right? Right, look at the meat of what Jesus did when he walked the earth. He served people. He did not consume every moment by trying to feed the sheep. Huh. And see, what we've done is we've said, Pastor, feed me. Pastor, feed me. Pastor, feed me. Right? Well, I'm not going to go here because I'm not getting fed. This, you don't live in a country where this is held by like eight people. And you have to go to those eight people to hear what's being said. It's, you, most of us have probably got three or more of these in our home. Right? And so we say, we say, hey, you know, we're, we're, we're doing the things. I've, gone, I've, I've done the, the program at the church, and I've gone through the discipleship studies, and I've gone through this, and I've gone through this. But look, we have to understand that we have to understand that modeling what the church does doesn't mean you're modeling what Jesus does. And, and, it, and, and look, and that can be confusing for people right? That can be so confusing for people. But the tenets of our faith seem to be built more off of attendance and giving than they are obedience. Like, I've shared it before, obedience is better than sacrifice, right? 1 Samuel 15, 22. Obedience is better than sacrifice. We think, because I gave a little more out of my paycheck this week, that I'm, I'm nudging my way up that ladder, Tommy boys. Better to look out. I'm going to get the mic soon. <laughs> See, if we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he set the example and he modeled it for us, shouldn't we look more like him? Shouldn't the things that people say about you isn't they were very faithful at going to church? Right? That's not what I want. I don't want people to judge my faithfulness, and I'm not talking about being judgy here, but I'm just saying I don't want people to judge my faithfulness based off of my presence, right? My presence into a building qualified me as Christian status, because if that's how we measured things, 
If we measure it by how many worship songs we played or by how many worship songs we sang or worship conferences we went to, where would Jesus fall on that scale? See, I think if we look at Philippians 2, 3 through 7, Philippians 2, I'll give you a second to get there. I think we see something that really highlights what we're supposed to be like, what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to apply things, okay? Philippians chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 3 here. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. I want you to hear that. Count others more significant than yourselves. That's all. <laughs> let that sink in. That's hard. It says, let each of you look not only to his interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. See, I read that, and this is the question that I asked myself. Based off of this, based off of what I read and based off of what I see, Shouldn't we serve more than we gather? Right? See, so much of um, so much of the American church is of gathering the people to come be together. And there is there is strength in that, there is value in that. I believe in that. I'm not saying that that shouldn't happen. Claus Queen coming at you, right? <laughs> but shouldn't we, shouldn't we serve more than we gather? Shouldn't we care more of others than our own wants and our own desires? See, what the church has done, and I, this isn't supposed to be me bad-mouthing the church. That's not what I'm doing. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. But what it's become is it's been this inclusive system that if we're apart from that system, we see ourselves as apart from God. Well, if I'm, if I'm apart from the established church building and the established body as I see it, and if I go away from that and I become disconnected from that, I feel disconnected from God, then my question is, who is your God? Right? See, there are too many people who will have an experience, who will have something happen to them, and as soon as they walk out those doors, they will become disconnected from God in their mind. But if you walk out those doors and you become disconnected from God, your God was the church and not God himself. And see, we cannot, we cannot continue to 
convince ourselves that we're serving God just because we come to church, that we're honoring God. Just be, And I'm not saying God's not honored from our sacrifices and all of those things, but what I'm saying is that we are confusing God's here. It's become more about a building. I've heard, I've heard of church splits because of a building problem, right? Well, that's messed up, <laughs> right? That's insane. The, for, for people to get so bent out of shape because of what happened to a building or what was going to happen with a building or what, whatever that is, that your, our gods have gotten mixed up here. We've allowed the American church, the institution itself, to become our God. Chris and I had a, a great conversation this week, and we were talking about our, our nights that we'll do, our serve your neighbor nights, right? Where we say, hey, look, we are going to serve our neighbors. We are going to do something to serve them. You know, we are not coming together into the church building. We are pushing you to say, go serve your neighbor in some way. Okay, do something for them. Go out of your way to do something for them. Mow their grass, buy them dinner, whatever it is, okay? Bethany likes to use Judah. I've told you guys this before. He's our runner. He does all kinds of stuff. He's giving people all kinds of stuff, okay? I think he did a flower run just not too long ago, right? Flowers, taking flowers and vases over to all the neighbors. Not all of them, but a lot of them like six or seven neighbors. We live in a weird spot where I got like nine neighbors. It's really confusing. But, but the thing about that night is what suddenly happens is the plow is in your hands, right? All of a sudden, it's not all of us standing here together while you got one person here working the plow while everyone's watching and saying, good job, Pastor, that was a good sermon, man. You rocked it out the house. You guys have never said that for the record. Uh, but, but, <laughs> but, but, but holding on to the plow and everyone watching, saying, man, you're doing a great job, you're doing a great job. All of a sudden I say, okay, it's your turn. <laughs> Go. Sir, listen, if you don't know your neighbor's name, if you don't know what's going on in their life, find out. You are placed where you are placed with a purpose a divine, rich purpose, and your purpose isn't to get them into the church house. I've told you before, I've heard pastors say, if you just get them in here, I'll get them saved. <laughs> and I'm like, eh, I ain't doing your work for you, right? You have a connection. You have a ministry. You have an opportunity right there. They don't know me from nobody, Right? And so what I'm telling you is that this is, look, this is what God wants to do with our lives. He wants every single one of us to be emboldened to do the work of Christ, not to sweep it under the rug of the church house. We'll just sweep. Here's, here's what we'll do, Pastor Tom. We'll get everything we can. We'll sweep them all right towards the church house, and you can figure it out from there. No. We are supposed to be serving just like Jesus did. I thought about this. Many people would rather come to a four-week course on evangelism than have four people to minister to, right? How many people in the church are saying, Pastor, I want to do that four-week course on evangelism. I'll be here for the next four weeks, and I'll do that course. But they would rather do that than actually go minister to four people in their lives, See, we go to course after course and certification after certification, and, and we stand up with our little pictures, and we're like, I did this class on discipleship. It was so good. 
And it looks good to one group, the church. Right? And that's what we do. We do these things to get our pats on the back, and yeah, I did it, man. I was here for six of the seven weeks. I did real good. That one week, there was a ball game I had to watch, but other than that, I was there. (laughs) And see, we would rather do those things than actually do the work. And what it's, what it's, what's happened is we've allowed this problem to set in where our secular view of people is disrupting what God's view of those exact same people are. Now, let me tell you this. If you would like to be offended by me, go listen to the sermon from last month, okay? If you're like, I'd really like for Tom to get on my nerves today, go listen to that last sermon, okay? Because that's what it's all about, about us having a vision, a perception of people and spitting the most awful venom towards those people knowing nothing about who they truly are. We are allowing this secular view, what everyone else is saying, what everyone else is declaring, and we are disrupting God's view of people, okay? We're willing to let our neighbors die and go to hell because we don't get along. Well, they threw some trash on my side of the fence, Tom. Who cares? We, we, have allowed, we have allowed ourselves to fall victim to the same nonsense that everyone else struggles with out there. And we are supposed to be above reproach, right? We are supposed to be above. We are supposed to always take the higher ground. What does the Bible say? If they, if they don't have a, a cloak, give them yours. If they, if they hit you on the cheek, well, you know what you should do? Give them the other one, <laughs> I'm not, I'm stopping. I'm stopping there. Okay. I could get in trouble. I'm going to stop there. See, we find the church in a state wanting nothing more than their security blanket to get into heaven than to actually do the work of Jesus Christ. And I, and I'm just telling you that ain't cutting it. It ain't cutting it. See, we can get confused within ourselves right? Even within our own, our own DNA as who we are as a church, you know, we only come together for this service once a month. The other time we're out doing something, right? Ministering, finding people, meeting people, breaking down walls, breaking down these walls from church that have been hurt. People that are coming to us and say, it's been five, 10 years since I've gone to anything from a church because I've been so badly bruised from it. You don't go to those people and say, well, you should come to church. <laughs> what? No. You don't, take, you don't take people who've been badly damaged in some environment and say, well, why don't you come on back to that environment? That's like going up to an alcoholic and saying, I'll tell you what you should do. Come over to this bar with me and we'll fix that. It doesn't, it doesn't register for them. And what we've done is we've made this safe grounds for us, but what it's, what it's really become is it's so unsafe to everyone else. And so you need to start recognizing that every place that you step your feet is safe. Declare it. Walk on it. You don't have to be in this safe environment. You don't have to get every little thing right. See, our commitment to a church service can often become greater than our commitment to Jesus. If you become more committed to the idea that we're going to do something every single Saturday than you are to doing something every single day for Jesus, then you've missed it. It's wrong. 
It doesn't work. Just because we do it on Saturday night instead of Sunday morning doesn't make us more holy. And it doesn't keep you from also falling into the same trap everyone else does where they say Sunday morning, I'm a Christian, you know. They do their Christian thing, they feel good about it, but then the rest of the week, they do nothing. They never crack this open. They never live out anything that's actually in that book. They never do the things that Jesus did when he was on the earth. They never love their neighbor and serve each other. And that doesn't work. And I believe that the problem is, is what we've done is we've misused one of the most valuable resources that we get in Christianity. We misuse our freedom. Not our time, our freedom. We misuse our freedom. And this, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you something in Galatians chapter 5 here. Because when I, when I was reading this today, and this, this just hit me, this misuse of freedom has been happening since the year. They, they say Galatians was wrote probably around 48 A.D., that's a bit of a while ago, okay, in case y'all aren't timetable scholars like myself. 48 AD is a long time ago. Before Fords, you know, way before Chevys. Uh, sorry, Jimmy. Um, and in Galatians 5, I want you to see what it says in verses 13 through 15. It says, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Just... Receive that for a moment. You have been called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. I love what it says in 14. It says, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. See, the freedom that we get, we talk a lot about freedom in the church and what freedom means and what freedom should stand for. And a lot of us, we, we, we look at freedom as freedom means I can worship louder than everyone else, right? That's true freedom. Or freedom is I can run the aisles and no one's going to look at me weird. That's, that's freedom. Or I can jump up on the pews. I was at a church once where a pastor jumped up on a pew and the pew broke in half. These pews are way stronger than that, just for the record. They're very heavy. <laughs> but our freedom has, we, we've, we've literally got all these thoughts of what our freedom allows us to do, but the freedom is there so that we can serve one another freely. Our freedom should be our fuel for serving. It should be. But what we've done is we've allowed freedom to justify our lack of service. Everyone, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to get into this big weighty topic, but right, people will be like, Pastor, that sounds like works-based salvation. That ain't for me. That's not what I'm talking about here, okay? So whatever you all thought, just back it on up. That's not what I'm talking about. But what I'm talking about is that your freedom should be fueling your desire for serving. You know why? Because you should desire that everyone lives in that freedom. That should be our heart, right? That we want them to experience that type of freedom. 
right? We don't want to use it to, to justify our lack of service. Well, I'm free, you know, so I don't really have to do any of that. See, we often spend so much more time working on the comfortability within our own lives, our own version of Christianity. You know, maybe we want another, another small group or another this. You know, well, pastor, if they had a small group that was more like this, I'd, you know, I'd be more active. Or if, you know, if it was something more like this, I, I'd be more active. And the problem is, is we've used the church as our excuse for why we're not serving now. Well, there's not really a spot for me. Your spot isn't intended to be in this building. You are the temple of God. You are to carry that with you everywhere you go, every conversation that you have, every person that you meet. True freedom is not being able to just do whatever you want. It's having so much freedom that you want to bring other people with you to experience that freedom. It's like if Bethany and I, Bethany and I will go down to Birmingham often, and there's a, um, there's a place down there. We went with, I think we took Kim even once. Um, there's a place called Let's Play. It's literally the name of the place. And my kids, it's the best thing in the world to them. And it's only in Birmingham, Alabama, okay? There's probably stuff like that around here. And if there is, please don't tell them because then I'll have to take them, okay? Um, but let's play. And you go into this place, and, and we're frugal, so we will go like the last hour of the day. Um, and so you get like 90% off or something because you're coming in the last hour. And, um, and, and when we get in there, the kids are just free to run and play and all of that. And we always end up running and playing with them. We're experiencing that freedom together. And it's so much better that way, right? And I, I want you to understand that where you are placed in your home, in your work, whatever it is, you want those people around you experiencing that same level of freedom, that same level of joy. Because guess what? We are not going to be a people that's okay with our neighbors going to hell because we don't want to be generous towards them. We don't want to be kind to them because they weren't kind to us. See, when we look at the life of Jesus, and I think we should ask ourselves the question, based off of my life, based off of what I'm doing, based off of how I'm living, based off of where I put value and worth, who is my God? Because we look at the things that he did on the earth, and look, this is why our schedule is so messed up as a church. Because <laughs> what we're trying to do are the things that Jesus, we believe Jesus would have done, where he would have been in the community. I laugh because it's, we, get, we get calls and we get messages where people are like, wait a minute, is this... Is this church week or is it next week or is it that week? Is it, you know, we can't ever keep track of it. And that's fine. I'll take those questions all day long because I would rather apologize for people not being able to know when our services than have to apologize to Jesus because we were never active in the work that he called us to, that we were never living the way that he lived on the earth, that we became more consumed about the way that our worship was done, the way that our place was styled, the way that our messages came out, so much so that we were consumed by these walls and never making a difference outside of these walls.
when, when this week hit and all these things were happening in the community, Bethany and I started getting flooded with questions and messages from people throughout the entire community. And what I've always told you is that my heart is not to pastor a large church. It was never my intention. It was never my goal. I wasn't, you know, when you, when you go through church planning and church launching, they, they want to tell you, well, you got to pick a path. You want to go large launch, and you're going to launch with 250 people in your first service. I was like, no, nope, that's not my cup of tea. And they're like, oh, you should do it. It'd be great. It'd be amazing. It'd be all this. And I'd be like, no, no, no. Because my heart was always to pastor a community, not a large church. See, because when you pastor a community, they ask you to minister where they're at. We had a message that came in last night. Uh, was it last night? Yeah, it was last night at 7.30. Someone in the community they said, will you please come pray with me? I couldn't say, well, yeah, you come on over to the church and I'll pray for you. No, I went, I went to their house into the backyard in the dark where they were sitting in a lawn chair and needed prayer because they were in desperate need of it. If we said, hey, yeah, absolutely, I'd be glad to pray with you. We're going to have service next Saturday. You come on into service, and then we'll be sure to pray for you right after service. It'd be a great time. We'd love to see you. You can come over with us. That's what we've done. That's what we've done to too many people. When we are carrying the gospel within us, we have the Holy Spirit within us. We have the ability to walk right into their lives right now and minister to them. So I say all this to say this, who is your God? Look at your life. Look at how you're living. Look at what you're putting value in. Look at the life that you are living. Look at the footsteps behind you. What are the markers that people are going to see? What are they going to say? I don't want it to be, he was always going to church. Sorry, that's not meant to be offensive. I want it to be the markers of how we made people feel. And how generous we were, and how caring and loving, and how even though they ne- look, we've got people that we have served as a church that they've never stepped a foot in this building. And you know what? They may never do it. They may never do it. And Beth and I said a long time ago, that's okay. We've poured into families, we've poured into people, we've, we've, we've done all of that because at the end of the day, our job is to sow seeds, right? And I just, I believe for a harvest, for the kingdom, right? That's what we believe in. That's what we're going to, that's what we're going to live for. But I want you to really ask yourself the question, who is your God? I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we get ready to close. I, I... I want, us, I want us to get this because this is where we move beyond. We, we move beyond, um, let me think of the way to put this right. We move beyond the desire for inclusion within the church, okay? I, I want to I help people because we've all, we've all been in that element. We've been in that place. And a lot of times we can feel pressured to attend or be so that we can get the recognition or the notoriety of 
being one of those people in the church. I can tell you I was guilty of that, right? Trying to do everything I possibly could to get recognition and be like, man, he's just so loyal. He's here all the time. He does all this. He does all this. And the whole time you sacrifice the whole idea of going out, right? Because you're so busy in. And I, and I, want, I want you to understand something. Um, this is where I'll get in a little trouble with Beth again, but um, I will apologize to her later. She will agree with me, but she will want a clause. Um, I will... I will never, and I've had people do this, I will never be offended, hurt, let down, sad, disappointed for your inability to be here because you were ministering to someone, because you had an opportunity that you felt like was going to open a door. And, and I'm going to say this, I know sometimes those opportunities could be rare where it's like, I just had an opportunity to go to dinner with this person. And you're all like, Pastor, I cannot go to church to go have dinner? <laughs> yes. <laughs> because it's about spreading the gospel. It's about opening doors. And there are some times where you guys are going to get in a position where you're going to have the opportunity to minister to someone. You're going to feel it in your spirit because that's going to be the Holy Spirit working you. You're going to feel it in your spirit and you're going to say, this is the time, but I have to go to church. Stop doing that. Minister. Love, serve, be present when you have the opportunity to be present. Because those are the markers where people are going to know who your God is. Because your God is not a God who spent all of his time in the synagogue and singing worship songs. Not that those things aren't important, but he was out there and he was ministering. Thanks again for listening to this message from Real Church Goshen. You can find out more about us and our services by visiting us on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Real Church Goshen.